where does yesterday's future, which is already here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. <laughs> I still get a kick out of that opening. Welcome, 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 welcome. That's my co-producer, Ryan Treasure, VP of Broadcast and Everything at World Talk Radio. I am Bonnie in the house, and welcome. Here's today's buzz. This is a topic that will affect you. I don't care where you are in the world. If you've ever had a job, if you're planning to have a job, if you have a company, you're hiring people, let's see what's going on. So here's the buzz. I have a quote from Jeannie Meister, and I'm going to follow that from a quote with a quote from Adam Rogers. So here's the quote from Jeannie, and this will set us up beautifully. The future of HR, there I said it, that's our topic. The future of HR is both digital and human as HR leaders focus on optimizing the combination of human and automated work. This is driving a new priority for HR one which requires leaders and teams to develop a fluency in artificial intelligence while they reimagine HR to be more personal, human, and intuitive. Just let's let that sink in for a second. Lots of buzzwords in their future of HR. Some people call it HCM, human capital management. We'll interchange those. Digital and human, side by side, we've got the introduction of the term artificial intelligence. Juxtaposed with personal, human, and intuitive, do they fit together? We're going to find out. Now, here's the quote from Ultimate Software's co-CEO, Adam Rogers. Listen up. Despite the intrinsic contradiction, it's clear that artificial intelligence and machine learning are primed to play a leading role in HCM's future. AI's ability to consume and analyze massive quantities of data, manipulate variables, and discover patterns makes it ideal for candidate sourcing. Not only can technology automate administrative and other low-level tasks, such as eliminating unqualified resumes, oh boy, I think we've all known that side, scheduling interviews and compiling candidate profiles, it can also apply sophisticated algorithms to determine skill sets and select promising candidates from a large number of applicants. Okay, end of that quote. So we have another set of interesting words. We've got HCM in there. We've got AI's ability to manipulate data and variables. We're looking at the tasks HR or HCM is tasked with right now. And then we're looking at the term sophisticated algorithms. So the question on the table today is HR human versus HR AI. Who will be hiring and firing you? I have a panel of four experts. I can't wait to get them on in a minute. They'll be introducing themselves briefly. Welcoming back, he's been on many SAP Game Changers radio shows with me, Dr. Stephen Hunt. He is now the chief expert ooh, for work and technology in the SAP Innovation Office. Congrats on the new title, Steve. You said I can call him Steve. We're welcoming three newcomers, Dr. Charles Handler, president and founder of Rocket Hire. I love the name of your company. It has a dash, Rocket Dash Hire. We have Kevin Wheeler, founder and chairman of the Future of Talent Institute, and we have Ben Taylor, co-founder of Ziff, Z-I-F-F dot A-I. Welcome, gentlemen. Let's start with introductions. Steve Hunt, welcome back. Welcome to my new series. Delighted to have you. And Steve, please take about two minutes and introduce yourself to our listeners. What's going on with you, Steve? Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. It's good to be back. Um, 
So I am in the SAP Innovation Office. I, my background, I think, is useful. Um, I'm an industrial organizational psychologist who spent most of my career working in technology and specifically looking at how do you use technology to improve the quality of work, which is, you know, create more effective cultures, better conversations, enable better decisions. And artificial intelligence in sort of machine learning is a huge area of focus within SAP. Um, and we're looking at lots of different applications of it. And it does raise some really interesting issues, you know, about is it good or bad to let machines make decisions about people instead of having people make decisions about people. And I'm looking forward to really getting into this conversation with the group today. Thank you so much, Steve. Welcome back. Pleasure to have you on. Now let's go one chair around the table to Dr. Charles Handler. I think he said I can call him Charles at Rocket Hire. Charles, please introduce yourself. What do you do and what does this topic mean to you? Yeah, well, this topic is is really important to me. I am an IO psychologist, uh, just like Steve, and uh, I'm a testing expert. I've come up uh, over the last 20 years, started out building tests, still build tests, but I've also got a passion for technology and really a passion for the idea that testing is just one piece of a, of a holistic experience uh, in terms of how you find people, how you move them through your process, how you evaluate them, and ultimately make the hire. And, uh, and so that, that whole perspective is obviously backed by technology more and more. And so uh, I really have the, uh, the exciting position of watching that happen and, and helping contribute when I can. Thank you, Charles. Is our HR people, HCM, whatever they call themselves today, are they scared about this? Just quickly, yes or no? Uh, I think it's mixed. I think there's excitement and curiosity, and there's a little bit of trepidation as well. Thank you. Reality check, always welcomed. Doctor, it's not doctor. We're, we're done with the two doctors. Now we have Kevin Wheeler. If you want to be a doctor, we can name you one honorarily for the show. Kevin Wheeler, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want to be, it's you, fine. Man. It's the future of now. Who do you want to be in the future? Tomorrow we'll give you another title. Kevin Wheeler, welcome, and please tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. I run the Future Talent Institute, which is a think tank. And we look at and do research on the trends that are having an impact on human resources, uh, recruitment, learning, and development. Um, I'm pretty passionate about technology and AI. Um, I've made a lot of predictions about where it's going, and uh, it's going to be an interesting journey to see if any of those predictions come true and and where it's going to end up. But it's going to be a really fascinating period of time for the next decade as we sort through this whole process of automating many things that we didn't think could be automated. Good point. Kevin Wheeler, I owe you an apology. You've been on radio with me before. February 10th, 2015. Yeah. Right? Series, a series called Transforming Your Business with Game Changers, February 10, 2015. And you were on way back in In the Cloud with Game Changers, one of my very first shows on the, the uh, show was In the Cloud, and the topic was Bridging the Skills Gap, Work Redefined. I thought you looked familiar. So welcome back. You're not a newcomer to radio with me, and I'm delighted to have you on. Thank you, Kevin. And now our other newcomer, Ben Taylor at Ziff.ai. Ben, please introduce yourself. Okay, so I, I like starting off that I'm a chemical engineer because people kind of raise an eyebrow and say, you're in the wrong room for this discussion. <laughs> so I, I studied chemical engineering. I joined Intel and Micron and then like a good chemical engineer. And then I turned to the dark side and I went and worked for a hedge fund as a quant. And after doing that for a year, I joined an HR company called HireView. 
I built out their AI team, and we delivered uh, some of the first video interview AI models to the market. And we also dealt a lot with bias. How do you fix bias, and how do you prevent that from going to production? Excited to be here. Well, excited to have you. Can you please define the current version of the word quant? You kind of tossed that out, and I'd love to know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. So quant, quant is slang for quantitative analyst. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a new term in AI called a data scientist. So this is a job mm-hmm. role that people are hiring for. And I tell people that data scientists have been around for a while. They're called quants because quantitative analysts have done programming and statistical modeling for decades in the stock market. Thank you very much. I looked up the definition, and it said quants use computers to tell them what to buy and sell. So I was looking for you to make that leap of faith for us. Thank you very much, Ben. Pleasure to have you on. Now it's the part of the show where I have asked my guests in advance to send me a quote that is not specifically on our topic and then to tell me how it relates to our topic. So we get to hear in their own words, live and in person, we are live on the radio right now, we get to hear how they think and how they feel it and what struck them about this quote that relates to the topic. So Steve Hunt is first, and Steve Hunt has sent us a quote, five little words, I love the short quotes, you know that, Steve, from Devo, and this is from, well, it's the title also of a second studio album by the American new wave band Devo, released back in 1979 on the labels Warner Brothers and Virgin. And the title of the album and the quote Steve has selected is Duty Now for the Future. Steve, please unpack this for me. Yeah, I guess, you know, you asked a question about, you know, quotes about there's so many. Um, I guess just this one kind of probably because it goes back to my childhood. Uh, I always sort of <laughs> like this concept of you know, what we do now has a big impact sort of on the direction of how human, how, you know, how work is managed in the future. And I think particularly why this one was most artificial intelligence is this is one of these things where the pendulum could really swing really wildly on it. I am not so much, it can be misused and absolutely has been misused, but conversely what happens is if we don't use it effectively and sort of self-manage ourselves, then you'll have these outcries and regulation, and next thing you know, it like gets banned. The method gets banned, not because the method is bad, but because the method was misused. You know, there's sort of history of where we see these things happen in human resources, where you know, because we allowed companies to misuse methods, and this is a big issue in testing, you see a huge public backlash against them, and suddenly, you know, it really limits our ability to ultimately use science and math to make the best staffing decisions possible. And that's, that's the ultimate goal. And that's good for companies and employees. There's nothing good for an employee to be put in a job where they're not likely to be successful. You know, that's pretty devastating for the career. So this isn't just about using technology to companies make better decisions. It's also about helping employees have more successful careers. But, it, but if we don't use this technology intelligently, we don't hold ourselves to a higher standard you're likely to get at some point, understandably, a backlash that could really limit our ability to use it at all for a selection. 
Thank you, Steve. Very interesting. You, you reminded me of a job I had when I first came back from the West Coast to New York. and I got a job with, with a company that had three parts to the company. One was software, one was jewelry, one was uh, cosmetics and hair salons. And I'm not going to allude to the name of it. It's probably long gone. And I was hired after, after a six-hour interview by a consultant who basically hired me to get back at people he didn't like in the company. And then he tanked all of my, all of my work, every program I submitted. It was aborted in the control room, and and uh, it was just not a happy thing. I was very excited because I had a glamorous office on Fifth Avenue in New York in the mid fifties, and I thought, "Wow, I have arrived!" And boy, did did I not arrive! I almost wished that an algorithm had hired me, Steve. At that point, I think it would have been uh, maybe more secure in terms of why I was there or what I was supposed to do. We'll leave that one alone. Just brought back a memory. Thanks a lot, Steve. <laughs> Now, we'll go to Charles Handler, Dr. Handler at Rocket Hire. And, and Charles has sent me a quote from Hal in 2001, A Space Odyssey. A 19, boy, are we going back in time here, gentlemen. 1968 sci-fi film, Douglas Rain, R-A-I-N, was the voice of Hal 9000. And it was an epic science fiction film produced and directed by the one and only Stanley Kubrick. And let's see what else. It was inspired by uh, Arthur C. Clarke's short story, The Sentinel and Other Stories. And it was deemed, in 1991, the movie was deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant by the U.S. Library of Congress. And in 2010, it was named the greatest film of all time by the Moving Arts Film Journal. I didn't know if you knew that, Charles. Here's the quote. Let me put it this way. I can't do the voice, so just forgive me. Let me put it this way, Mr. Amor. The 9000 series is the most reliable computer ever made. No 9000 computer has ever made a mistake or distorted information. We are all, by any practical definition of the words, foolproof and incapable of error. Wow, Charles, how'd you find this quote? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of popped into my head, and I think it really has to do with you Love know, it. the idea that... Uh, we better not let this stuff just function on its own uh, because there's a lot of value in the, in the human side of things as well, right? Okay. Thank you very much. I like the, I like the categorical, we are incapable of error and foolproof. Uh, and we all know there's more to an AI algorithm than that today. Let's go on. Looks like Charles is done with that. Uh, let's see. We now have, we got, we've got Kevin Wheeler and let me find your quote here, Kevin. You have quoted, well, this one goes actually back to biblical times, Kevin. I found it listed in Ecclesiastes 1-4-11 and 1-9. And let me just read it. It's seven little words. And the quote is, there is nothing new under the sun. Kevin Wheeler, how does this relate to our topic, HR human versus HR AI? You know, I think we always treat every um, advance, whether it's technical or, or otherwise, as something brand new and has never existed before. And we have to reinvent everything and reimagine how the world will be. And we've been through many technology revolutions. We're in another one now. Uh, we can learn a ton from history. We can learn a lot from looking at uh, how other technologies have evolved and been uh, adopted and how they have changed the course of human history. You know, we've had other inventions like the uh, manufacturing uh, revolution, which basically said we're gonna, nobody's going to have a job. We're all going to be uh, you know, uh, eating you know, potatoes. Uh, and it's going to be a horrible world out there. 
So we've been through these sort of events before in history, and I think if we went back and took a very measured and rational look at how did other eras navigate their way through these, we could not only do a better job of navigating ourselves, but we also realized that, you know, to be a little bit humble, that uh, there is nothing new under the sun. You know, technology is new, maybe AI may be new, but the impact of it, the way we use it is not new. And uh, so I'm a real believer that uh, to understand the future, you have to understand the past. And when you understand the past, you'll be far less afraid of the future and more uh, intelligent about how you deal with it. Thank you. And Kevin, this reminds me of my favorite French language quote, plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. The more things change, Absolutely. The, more they are, the more they are the same. Thank you for that. Ben Taylor, we're going to sneak in your quote here before I go to our ad. We have a wonderful sponsor today. Ben Taylor sent me the following <coughs> quote from none other than somebody who is actually around today. Oh, my, a current person. It's from Elon Musk, who was born in 1971. If you don't know who he is, oh, my goodness, you've been living under a rock. Founder, CEO, lead designer of SpaceX, co-founder, CEO, and product architect of Tesla, co-founder of Neuralink, founder of The Boring company and co-founder and initial co-chair of OpenAI. And he was also co-founder of PayPal, OMG. His net worth was only a mere $19.4 billion and listed by Forbes as the 40th richest person in the world. Is that all? Here's the quote. In a few years, robots will move so fast, you'll need a strobe light to see them. Ben Taylor, how does this relate to our topic, please? I like this because it's it's kind of out there. It's, it seems ridiculous. It seems seems unbelievable. And I think the fun thing that I see in the industry is things that seem like science fiction today are not tomorrow. And we see lots of examples where this is true. So I think it's, it's just a reminder to me that we we are moving much faster than people realize. Thank you very much. All brief and to the point. I appreciate it. Now it's time for me to welcome our sponsor today. Gentlemen, I don't know if you've heard of them, but I think you all should. Steve and Kevin and Ben and Charles Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R. So let me tell you all about them. Growing a business is hard, especially when you're wasting hours every day moving data. You know, you go from email to spreadsheet, if you still use those, to CRM, to wherever. Shouldn't that kind of stuff just happen without you having to lift a finger? Well, Zapier can help. Zapier is the easiest way to automate your work. How? Well, it connects all your business software and handles the work for you, so you can focus on the things that matter most. You don't have to waste time on tasks that you know could be motivated, because that's what Zapier was built to do. So go to our special link, Zapier, that's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash, and the word revolution, because this show is Technology Revolution. Connect the apps you use the most and let Zapier take it from there. Zapier lets you instantly engage with leads, ooh, send them to a CRM or spreadsheet, then notifies your team so they can act fast to seize every opportunity. And that's just the beginning scratching the surface. Zapier supports more than 1,500, that's right, more than 1,500 business applications, so the possibilities for you are virtually endless. Best of all, it's easy to build the exact solution you need in minutes. You don't need to write code. You don't need a quant. You don't, ben, you don't need a data scientist to write code. 
You don't even need to ask a developer to help you. Join the more than 4.5 million people who are saving an average of 40 hours a month. That's right, 40 hours a month by using Zapier. So right now through November, we just started October, so you got a little while, try Zapier for free. Isn't that wonderful? By going to our special link, zapier.com slash revolution. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com forward slash revolution. I'll even spell that for you. R-E-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N. For your free 14-day trial, zapier.com slash revolution. I want all of my panelists, if you aren't using it already, I've started, and it's it's fascinating how easy it is. You just pick up the apps you like to use, and you link them together. In You, you develop your own process. So zapier.com slash revolution. And thank you to Zapier for sponsoring the show. Now back to the show, and let's go. It's time now for our predictions. That's what we're all here for. If you're just tuning in, this is Technology Revolution, the future of now. You think the future already happened? Uh, 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 uh. That was yesterday future. The future of now, it could happen any second right now after I finish this sentence. We're talking today about who will be hiring and firing you, maybe by 2025, (coughs) HR humans or HR AI or some combination thereof. My very special guests today are Dr. Stephen Hunt at SAP, Dr. Charles Handler at Rocket Hire. Love the name of your company, Charles. Kevin Wheeler at the Future of Talent Institute. I like that too. And Ben Taylor at Ziff.ai. So let's go to our predictions. My guests have each sent me four predictions on the future of this topic. Steve Hunt, we'll start with you. Number one, you say human relationships will always be more important than mathematical algorithms for getting jobs. Steve, why don't you take about 90 seconds, two minutes tops, and tell me what this prediction means. Well, I think it comes down to, at the end of the day, people hire people. I mean, we use systems to guide that. In some cases, these systems limit the people that we consider hiring. But particularly for more sort of professional, not high-volume hiring jobs, relationships are always going to be critical. Um, so that's never really going to go away. I think that what AI might start being used for is helping people identify those relationships and get those connections that help them advance their career. Now, I do think, you know, on high-volume, lower-skilled jobs, then I do think AI will become more of a barrier uh, for some mm-hmm. people. But, again, it's not necessarily bad. It's just, you know, make sure that people are more likely to be successful in those jobs will get the introductions of people. But the human element will never be gone out of hiring um, because at the end of the day, uh, managers, and this is important, managers who are hiring people, they have a big stake in it. They want to hire people that they believe will be successful, they have a relationship, and it's not good if you take that completely away from managers, they need to have, you know, some feeling of connection to that person. Similarly, the employee needs some connection to the person they're going to work for. So I don't think that the people element is ever going to go away. I do think what AI will help is it will help us focus that people element where it's most effective, which is not the sorting through people to see who's even qualified to have the job. Thank you, Steve. And it does really boil down to people. Uh, we all know it's it's great to pass a test, great to be invited to join a company. But the day you arrive, listen, we're all people. Aren't we just, Steve, checking out the culture? Who is where, what they're doing, how they talk, how they walk, how they think, how they work, the relationships of people who are already at the company, how we will or won't fit in, where we should make our allegiances, our alliances. Isn't it really just boiling down to the human us is the one in that job and we have to cope and survive and thrive once we get there? Steve, you think? 
Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, but I think part of it, too, is we need to make sure we keep, we don't disempower people with these technologies. It's a very quick story just because it's so funny. I was actually working with some of the first artificial intelligence type hiring for high volume, like hourly frontline jobs. This is like 15 years ago before hmm. they invented the term machine learning. And I remember one manager in this store, a candidate, we sort of code people red, yellow, green based on their statistical likelihood of being successful in the job. Somebody was coded as yellow. The manager, somehow, I don't know how he got to me through all the channels. I actually talked to this store manager who said, hey, this is worked with for 10 years, and I want to hire him. He's fantastic. And he took your test, though, and he's a yellow. And so, you know, I can't hire him. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, hire him. No test in the world is going to be more accurate than 10 years of working with somebody. Mm-hmm. But it was so funny because the guy was like, well, I've been told I should only hire or interview people in the green. Thing. How can I, you know, change this person from a yellow to a green? And I so badly wanted to say add more blue. But um, <laughs> the point was <laughs> that beautiful. You know, he shouldn't have done that. He should be able at a certain point. It's like it's from like. No machine is going to be better than some things that people know. And, you know, 10 years of experience is not going to make up for, like, some math. It's not going to be better than a mathematical algorithm based on 15 minutes of data. There you go. It reminds me of the series that just ended. I was a big fan of Suits, and it all started with a young man who was a courier <laughs> selling an illegal drug, and he landed on a line in an office where people who were all Harvard uh, Harvard Law School grads were getting interviewed for a job in a law firm, and he presented so well because he had an incredible photographic memory. He could just read a, a law book and give it back to you two hours later, word for word, page by page, and he ended up being hired as a lawyer, and he wasn't. Anyway, it's very interesting. If you haven't seen Suits, go find it. It just ended last week. Thank you, Steve. Great opener. Dr. Charles Handler sent me the following for his prediction number one. Oh, this is this is near and dear to my heart, Charles. No more employment hmm. tests. Charles, true or false, today, tomorrow, is it a good thing? Tell me about your prediction. Yeah, I think it'll be a great thing. I don't think we're we're quite there yet. I think it's a, a slow evolution and, and transition. But uh, one of my favorite quotes, and this is always kind of funny because I'm a testing guy that builds tests, but no one likes taking tests. I mean, there may be a few real, um, you know, masochistic people that enjoy it, <laughs> but it's not a fun experience typically nope. uh, for anyone. And, and when you're getting hired for a job and a lot of these tests that – we build don't always look exactly like the job. So it leaves candidates saying, why are they asking me this? And that's never Mm -hmm. a good situation, increasingly so as candidates have greater expectations for, you know, really positive consumer grade, high touch experiences when they get hired, right? So we're going to be moving to what I believe is more of an experiential type of, uh, of evaluation, uh, and it's really, that is nothing new, you know, um, the, the, some of the very first tests in, you know, the industrial age are, hey, you want to work with, uh, you know, as a machinist or running this assembly line, here's a bunch of screws, uh, here's a bunch of, um, you know, bins, uh, pick, pick the bins, uh, the nuts out of the bins, screw them onto the screws, and if you can do that quickly and accurately, uh, you know, you got a job here. So, that's going to be a, a digital version of that where, where people are going to be asked to do uh, things that are related to the job and, and evaluated. The, the other piece of it where tests will go away is the completely transparent thing where, uh, you know, either your personal data or your interview data, whatever uh, touch points you, you might have, 
uh, are going to be categorized, evaluated, and uh, and then you know used to to show your suitability. Uh, that latter is the one that scares me a lot more, and I think scares people a lot more. Uh, we have more work to do to get there than we do to, you know, uh, give people miniature samples of the job. And those miniature samples also give you a great what we call a realistic job preview in our field. Mm-hmm. So, to the extent that you can have someone experience something that they may not want to be part of their job and they didn't realize that that was part of the job and they could say, you know what, this isn't the job for me to, to the point that we've all made. I think, uh, you know, people need to have jobs that they really truly enjoy and are fit for. So if people see that signal as an applicant, they can bail. Uh, that's typically good for everybody involved. Thank you very much. I'm remembering so many horror stories of job interviews while I'm talking to all of you. I'll try and save them for the end, but I've got some doozies for you. And as far as the people-to-people, face-to-face, there have been some people who never should have been interviewing. Let's go to Kevin Wheeler. Kevin sent me this prediction, number one. He says, recruitment will be largely automated within a decade. Machine learning, chatbots, personality profiles, and skills tests will recommend better matches than humans. Ooh, Kevin, talk to me. Sure. I think uh, I think that uh, I agree completely with Steve that the human will never not be part of this process. But I think that a lot of the drudgery or groundwork that recruiters do will be replaced with automation. And I think when you look at the volume of Resumes that are received by many organizations today, especially large ones, it's an overwhelming amount of, of uh, applicants. And somewhere you need to be able to filter through and give everybody a fair and as unbiased as possible opportunity for the position. And I think when we're humans, we physically just cannot go through all those, uh, all those CDs. Um, there's just no way we can do that. We don't have time. We don't have the uh, capability to do that where a chatbot or some other tool can easily screen huge numbers of people quickly, can uh, provide the recruiter with good information about their qualifications, their skills, their backgrounds. To Charles' point, a lot of this can be done without anyone taking a test. It can be done by looking at their, uh, their profiles, their social media, uh, by analyzing uh, a whole variety of passive data that exists about all of us out there. And we can all say this is a negative thing, uh, and in some cases it could be a negative thing. But in many cases, it's giving uh, the person a better, uh, a better opportunity at the position by giving a recruiter more complete information about them, more than you'll get from an interview, more than you'll get from any other source. In the end, the computer isn't going to hire the person. A person is going to hire that person. But if there's a thousand people that applied for a position in a company today, only a handful are ever going to be given any serious consideration. And they're going to be filtered by, in about six seconds by mm-hmm. about the average time a recruiter spends looking at a CV. And in six seconds, your fate is going to be determined more or less. Um, and then, then there's even going to be uh, less scrutiny later on in the process. So you don't have an opportunity as a candidate to really express your capabilities. You don't really have an opportunity to present your whole self, whereas your entire body of work in social media, online, and so forth, increasingly, certainly with a young generation, is more and more who they are and what they are 
and technology can make it uh, make a much better recommendation to a recruiter than any other source. Interesting. Kevin, I have a question for you and, and maybe for everybody. Ben, before I get to your prediction number one, is, is there a, a line in the sand, a, a demarcation of exactly when recruiters, HR, HCM, started looking at social media as a measure or, or a way to evaluate somebody's cultural preferences, somebody's style of relating to people? When did jobs in job recruitment uh, start to look at your Facebook page or your your tweets or your LinkedIn profile or what you post on Pinterest or Instagram. Kevin, is there a date or a year or a month when that started? That's a really good question. I think I'd prefer to bounce that off Ben or Steve or Charles. Do you guys Anybody have else? a date for that? Hmm. Okay, I stumped the panel. The reason I'm asking is because when I was applying for jobs, that, that didn't, many of you, it didn't exist. Come on, we, we didn't have this, oh, is she on Facebook? What's she, how often is she posted? Is she posting restaurant reviews yeah. or telling everybody their families are beautiful? Is she posting politically dangerous stuff? You know, is, is somebody going to go looking at this and say, oh, my, we got to get rid of her? So <laughs> I don't want to get dark here. But my point is that it didn't used to exist. There must have been a, a time when the trend happened when somebody said, hey, we now have a new way of seeing who this human being really is we could just leave that one on the table but if anybody comes uh, up with you know, an answer I mean, for th- it, it, go ahead. it really happened i i, I yeah actually i remember when people first started talking about this and it really was probably about um i would say six seven years ago i mean okay it just it happened it followed very shortly it's funny you go into the area of like testing and i think the people on this call <laughs> Charles and, and Ben, but I think agree with this. there's a lot of people in our field that are constantly looking for ways that we can get data to predict the behavior of other people. We're just kind mm-hmm. of like scanning all the time going, gee, I wonder if we could use that. So as soon as anything shows up that somebody can feed into an algorithm, somebody tries to feed it into an algorithm. Thank you very much. I was just reflecting that uh, somebody mentioned, uh, I think it was one of the last predictions, that AI, the algorithms can process. I think you said it, Kevin, in six seconds, tons and tons and volumes and reams and velocities of information that a human would say, oh, my God, let's go and find all this person's footprint on digital media. And, and the algorithm can do it so quickly. The question is when and why and how much. So let's move on with our predictions. We have so many more. Ben Taylor up next. Prediction number one, offer letters. Oh, my, that wonderful thing that used to come in an envelope, and it would have the logo or the return address of the company, and you predict AI will be able to send offer letters automatically. Is this foolproof? Ben Taylor, tell me about your prediction. Yeah, so I I like that this kind of goes against some things that have been said. That means we have a good panel. Um, So I think for some entry-level jobs, um, call center, maybe customer service, maybe higher level jobs, maybe we'll be surprised. I think AI can go all the way to a hiring decision without a human. And I I think sometimes we talk about the human touch and why it's Mm -hmm. important or it's special, but it's also dangerous because we have the unconscious bias. And so removing the human from a selection process, if it's something where you can get those numbers right, and if you have AI in place to extract soft competencies, then for something like a call center, 
those models tend to be fairly predictive. I imagine a future where you get your confirmation code and it's all you need and you go take it into your employer and you hand it to them. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I just looked up the top three things that employers want to see in your social media profiles. There's an article on careers.workopolis.com. There's one here on career builders. 70% of employers are snooping candidate social media. There's another one in Business News Daily from October 2018. Social media screenings increase for job seekers. All kinds of ethical questions come up. Is it illegal? Illegal for companies to look at your Facebook. Do companies look at social media? What does Facebook look for in employees? Oh, that's an interesting one. Let's move on with our predictions. Steve Hunt, circling around to you, let's go to prediction number two, finding versus selecting. You say when it comes to skilled jobs, AI will prove to be more useful for finding potential candidates than for selecting them. Steve, can you unpack that one for me? Yeah, I think, you know, in skilled jobs, that it, this is one of the really big challenges that companies are struggling with. It's just getting worse, which is, the need for very specialized skills, increasingly companies are like, I need, you know, yes, soft human things like building relationships and will always be absolutely critical. But there's this really thing where companies are like, for us to execute this business strategy, we need somebody who either knows how to do this very specific thing or can figure out how to do it. And when you get into more technical jobs, you know, this becomes a big issue. Technology is creating these jobs. So I think we're, and it's already doing this, is one, getting good at finding, well, what does it seem to be the new skills everyone's talking about, you know, um, you know, programming skills or data analytics skills or specialized marketing skills, whatever, things that people know or don't know how to do. So I think it's, it's already being used for that a lot. I think where it could get to, which would be really cool, is not just finding what skills people have, but also based on what people have done and sort of the things that they, you know, interact with out sort of in social media and places like that, what they could do. The ability of saying, here's a person who may not have done this job, but they have all the characteristics of somebody who could probably learn it very quickly, I think. And I think that's where people will really be really excited about AI, because then it's creating opportunities. And that's a big part. You know, the quality of who you hire is entirely dependent on the quality of who applies. <laughs> so, you know, finding ways to connect people better to different jobs, I think that's, a, that, that's something people would absolutely embrace. It's already been used this way, but it's not talked enough. I don't think people talk enough about how it's helping people actually find career opportunities they'd never find without it. Thank you very much. Moving on, Charles Handler, Dr. Handler. I like your number two prediction and number three. We'll make sure we get to three before the end of the show, but let's do number two first. You say, AI-based hiring. The U.S. government will challenge the legality of an AI-based hiring tool within the next five years. Oh, talk to me, Charles. Uh, well, uh, again, in the, in the testing realm, we're really bound by some guidelines that are, uh, they've been around since 1978. They didn't know much about AI in, uh, back then, but, but the government and the EEOC, you know, they monitor what's going on. They have standards and, uh, that we need to be following, and uh, those standards aren't always followed by everybody, and the, the government doesn't have even close to the resources to be able to, to kind of track that or to, to really monitor and go after folks. But, but it's out there, and, you know, you talk to people, 
from the EEOC. I had someone, you know, on my podcast uh, from there, an IO psychologist, and they're, they're looking right now. They're they're looking to see, uh, you know, from the outside on the sidelines, kind of looking in, waiting to to find an opportunity uh, to get in there and really wrestle with one of these things. And and you know, all of what we do in employment testing uh, legality is really based on precedent, right? How the how the guidelines have been interpreted um, in the real world and what uh, what legal precedent has evolved or has come out of that challenge or that review. And, and we don't have any of that for this stuff. Um, and it's going to be really hard and it's going to be really interesting to see how it happens. But, uh, you know, part of it goes to the idea that, well, we don't really know what's going on inside the black box. We don't really know what's going on inside the algorithm. Increasingly, we're learning more about that. Uh, and, you know, that's something Ben could probably speak to more. But we're, we're getting more clarity there. But, you know, again, my contact, my friend at the EEOC says, you know, we can requisition your algorithm. We can basically say, turn it all over to us. Um, and then at that point, they can go through there and say, well, you know, we don't understand how this decision is coming out of the other side of the black box. So uh, I think there's going to be some precedent set. I think there's a little trepidation about that. I, I don't exactly know how it's going to go down. But I do think overall, this is a really important uh, point, AI and all the stuff we're talking about today can absolutely exist properly within the guidelines and framework that the government has, uh, has established. It just requires uh, a little bit of effort uh, on the side of understanding, you know, what human characteristics are critical for the job and making sure that your, your evaluation process is, is touching on those things because ultimately every single thing you, you need, you use to hire a person must be job related. Uh, you, you can't hire people based on information that doesn't have relevance to what they need to do on the job. That's the ultimate litmus test. Thank you very much. We all need a litmus test. I haven't heard that term in a long time. Glad you brought it up. Kevin Wheeler, prediction number two, humans. I think this is the answer to the question, which is the title of this show, who will be hiring and firing you, HR human or HR AI. And you say humans will augment automated systems and make the final decisions. Humans will provide a social engagement, build relationships, fire people, and make the final decision on who gets hired. Can you just flesh that out for me briefly, Kevin Wheeler? Sure, I I, uh, I firmly uh, believe that uh, people aren't going to be uninvolved in the process. They're going to remain uh, deeply involved. But I think what a recruiter does today and what an HR person does today is going to change significantly. And it's going to be more uh, about building relationships and engaging in real conversation with people and, and really trying to understand in a more holistic way who somebody is and, and how well they might uh, perform or fit into the organization. Uh, based on data uh, that's been gathered by the AI tools out there that can inform so much more uh, completely than any other source of data that we have today. So whenever you get hired by any job today, the amount of information that was used to determine your capabilities is very, very small compared to the totality of your experience in your life. So it's really just taking like a, a little sample of what you are and extrapolating that into the fact that you're going to be a good or bad employee. I think by using uh, AI, we're going to have a much larger sample of data, a much more complete sample of data. And therefore, uh, a recruiter 
can not waste time trying to gather that data. They will have it, and then they can spend their time building a relationship with you, having a real conversation with you, uh, developing, uh, recommending you to the right hiring managers and so forth in the company because they'll have time to do that versus today where they're spending most of their time collecting data and trying to analyze it and interview people. Thank you you very much. Ben Taylor, prediction number two. This is something I don't think we've touched on yet. Performance plans. You say AI will be able to send constructive. Oh, what a great word. Constructive performance improvement plans. Oh, my goodness. So if if AI is sending it, that means AI is somehow processing the employee's performance at a certain period of time over a certain historical period of time and making some judgment calls on whether it's up to par or how it can improve. I'm I'm interested in this. Uh, Ben Taylor, tell us a little bit more. What do you mean by AI will be able to make constructive performance improvement plans? So this this sits on what Charles mentioned, um, the storytelling piece. So if AI AI is getting better and better and better at telling story, and if I have a predictive model that tells me who will be promoted, who will move up in an organization, if I have really good storytelling within that model, there's no reason why I can't find out why people aren't getting the promoted promotions and start building out automated constructive performance improvement plans, or at least augmenting the human process where AI is giving a manager a heads up on an area of growth for an employee, kind of looking at the bigger picture based on the, on the promotion model or even the hiring model if you want to give constructive feedback to a candidate about why they weren't considered for this job. Thank you very much. Let's see if we can you know, squeak Bonnie, it. Can I okay, yeah, build on please. something really? Yeah, just yeah, go ahead. Ben said because I think I, I, I'm already seeing companies that are doing something similar to identify pain equity, where they say, "Look, different people should." The fact that men and women are paid differently is a, a huge issue, but it's also complex because there's lots of things that influence pay. What we don't want is we don't want it to be related to gender, but you have to look at all these other things that could affect pay, and so they're trying to use AI type techniques to look across masses of employees and taking into account the kind of job, performance history, tenure, local job market, all this stuff that influences pay to tease out those spots where it does, in fact, seem like people are being paid unfairly based on their demographics. That's similar concepts. So it's not just like, I think, about sort of evil evaluation. It's also finding mm-hmm. places where we haven't made the right decisions in the past. Mm. Interesting. Um, and Steve, I'm up to your prediction number three, which is predictive, the value predictive. You say the differentiating factor in staffing assignments will not be their AI algorithms. It will be the predictive content they use. So, Steve, why don't you? Uh, let's see if we can keep our predictions to about 60 seconds each. I want to see if we can cycle through one more each. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I think this goes back to, you know, AI is only as good as it needs good data to make good predictions. And I think we have to get better at finding good data. And this gets back to something Charles was talking about, which is I think we're going to go away from these sort of standardized tests to more active assessments that really sort of simulate the jobs and give people chances to provide more rich information. This is already happening in like high interviews. They just, they're already using, for example, AI to analyze even sort of how you verbally respond to things. Um, Just finding ways to get more data that's meaningful because AI cannot make things up, right? It's just, Mm -hmm. it's limited by what data you can get into it. And I think that's going to be one of the big 
innovation areas is not the AI algorithms, which are so much of a commodity, but getting very creative and collecting useful candidate information. Thank you. Charles Handler, prediction number three. I love this. It sounds revolutionary. I don't know if it's evolutionary. You say in 50 years, hiring the best possible fit for a given job will take less than five minutes. How, Charles? How? Where? Who, when, why, where? Is this a good thing? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, everything we just talked about for the last 50 minutes, right? I mean, it's it's just the the speed of things, the massive amounts of data, the historical, uh, you know, compendence of the data kind of adding up to us understanding uh, trends and how to measure things about people and the systems that do that. Uh, it's just going to get faster and faster. The, the hiring itself, now 50 years is always, gosh, who, who, the, who the heck knows 50 years? It's, it seems like so much is, can happen in that amount of time, right? Uh, 50 years ago, we were uh, still using rotary dial telephones anchored to a line and, and anchored mm-hmm. to copper. So a lot, a lot can happen. But uh, I just think the, the pace, the speed, the intelligence is all going to uh, massively accelerate what I do believe and I hope still is that the human component is still there, right? Either people that are building or, or all of the above, people that are building the tools, people that are still, uh, you know, on the front lines, uh, making the hiring decisions, ultimately, uh, it, it's all going to happen uh, that way. So. Thank you very much. Kevin Wheeler, prediction number three, the role of HR will change significantly. Predict how, please, Kevin Wheeler. Go ahead. Keep it short, please. Sure. I think we've already touched on it a bit uh, in the previous uh, comments, but I think the role of HR um, is going to become much more one of an advisor, a coach, a uh, development expert, uh, rather than a regulatory uh, person, rather than a, um, uh, a person that um, kind of makes sure that you follow rules and that you uh, have a policies and procedures and, and so forth. I think that that will be uh, a minor role for HR. The major role is going to be how do we help improve our total employee population? How do we develop people? How do we act as better as coaches for people? Uh, you know, how do we build relationships so that we hire better people? So it's really more and more about a communication a relationship uh, a kind of a, a role as opposed to the current role, which is far more, uh, from my experience, of 20 years in the corporate world as far more of a regulatory um, and policy role. Thank you very much. Ben Taylor, prediction number three, humans and bias. And I have a quote to share with you after you tell us about this. You say humans will never cure their unconscious bias. So why try? Have AI fix it. Okay. AI to the rescue. Ben, tell me more. So um, reviewing human data, I found that Humans are biased everywhere. It doesn't matter how good of a human you are. Racism, sexism, caste bias, beauty bias, ageism, it's, it's all there. And it's not because we're bad people, most of us. It's because it's, we're, it's unconscious. We don't know what's happening from our environment. It's how we were raised. We hire based on similarity and likability, which are very biased. So I think AI has a fantastic opportunity to prevent us from doing that by building models that are blind to that. And one of the, the last thing I'll end with, mm-hmm. if you can measure it or predict it, you can protect it. Mm, 
Interesting. I have a quote to share with you, uh, with all of you, but particularly with you, Ben. I'm doing a show later today called Internet of Things with Game Changers. Steve knows it's one of my many Game Changers shows I, I produce and host for SAP. And one of my panelists, as I don't know why he picked this quote from Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's a quote when she was interviewed by Elle magazine in 2014. Let me just read it, and it talks exactly about this, Ben. I'd like your quick comment. She says, I think unconscious bias is one of the hardest things to get at. My favorite example is the symphony orchestra. When I was growing up, there were no women in orchestras. Auditioners thought they could tell the difference between a woman playing and a man. Some intelligent person devised a simple solution. Drop a curtain between the auditioners and the people trying out. And lo and behold, women began to get jobs in symphony orchestras. Ben, is that a charming quote or what? Very telling, right? Yeah, I love that example. That's great. Yep, absolutely. So we're just about at the end. I want to thank my panelists. You've sent wonderful information. We got to three predictions each. I'm going to do a quick lightning round. I have about 60 seconds to do this, and I'll get a one-word answer from each of you. You can say pass if you don't have anything. So we'll start with Steve Hunt, then Dr. Charles Handler, Kevin Wheeler, Ben Taylor. The question is, HR, Human Resources, has been around the name of the department, the function, the office for years, and then somebody changed it to HCM, Human Capital Management. By 2025, will it change again, and what will it be uh, yes or no and if you have an answer quickly Stephen Hunt what will it be by 2025 uh, uh, I don't know I guess you know the thing is that nobody outside of technology calls it HCM I've never met a CHCMO um, so I think it's still <laughs> HR I think I bet on HR still being around but I don't know thank you Charles Handler prediction yes or no change or what uh, sure how about people empowerment I love it. I absolutely love it. Kevin Wheeler, new name for HCMHR? Yeah, I think something like what Charles said, something to do with people, people development, people empowerment. Um, I think the word HR will go away. Thank you. I do, too. Ben Taylor, quick. Ideal placement amplification. Ooh, that's interesting. We got we got to put that name on the back of a chair in the C-suite. I have some predictions of my own. engineer talking. I have predictions of my own. Uh, we're taking next Wednesday off. We'll be doing a replay on the series. But Wednesday, October 16th, we're back with a live episode, Millennial Women in Technology, Creating the Superstars of Tomorrow. Ooh. And a quick reminder, we have a special offer from our sponsor, Zapier. Right now through November, try Zapier for free. Go to our special link, Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash revolution free 14-day trial. Special thank you to my four panelists. You were wonderful. Dr. Stephen Hunt, always a pleasure. Congratulations on the new role. Dr. Charles Handler, a privilege to have you on the show. Kevin Wheeler, glad to talk to you again. And Ben Taylor, nice to meet you. Ryan Treasure, my co-producer, thank you. And thank you to Jess Bernard at World Talk Radio for allowing me to do this series with all of you. Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinaire. I got 30 seconds to sign off, so I'm just going to say just remember, you're all part of the technology revolution. We're using it somewhere, somehow somehow and the future of now hasn't happened yet so be part of making it great bonnie d graham signing off bye bye thank you for joining us for technology revolution the future of now mark your calendar to join host bonnie d graham every wednesday at 8 a.m pacific time 11 a.m eastern on the voice america business channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now